I'm Desiree. And I'm Taylor. You're tuned into Birthkeeper Banter, a space to discuss powerful birth stories, radical birthkeeping, and all things birth outside of the box. This podcast is produced by Herbal Training, and nothing discussed should be considered medical advice because birth is not a medical event. For classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. Hey, this is Taylor. I'm here with Desiree and Kristen, and Kristen is here with us today to share her birth stories. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. So tell us about your first pregnancy. How how did that go for you? How was that finding out that you were pregnant? And then what did you want to do with your birth from there? With my first daughter, I was 22 and... I knew that I wanted a natural birth, but I didn't really know what that looked like. So we started learning a lot of stuff and um, I had an OB and we were planning a hospital birth, but uh, I had HG really bad. So I was extremely sick the entire time to the point that I had to quit my job and just from about I started noticing like 10 weeks ish that my provider was not um, taking me seriously and as my pregnancy went on and I got past that second trimester point and then just kept going and going and I never felt better and I was actually hospitalized a few times for IV fluids and every time I would call my office they would tell me oh, that's just pregnancy, that's normal. So I never actually got diagnosed with HG and I just thought that I was basically a sissy who couldn't handle it. And (laughs) um, my family and friends who told me, no, we were never that sick, we were never that sick, just didn't realize that I just couldn't handle it because my provider was telling me that's normal, that's normal. So um, that's kind of where my issues with that pregnancy started is just feeling like I was never heard and I was always really minimized and didn't feel like I had any support to handle the issues that I needed to deal with. So um, I quit my job to try to handle it. And then thankfully when she came, um, it was coming up on my due date. I went to think my 39 week appointment and um, they asked me when I wanted to schedule my induction for it I said I didn't want to and um, they (laughs) told me this was my husband went to most appointments with me but this particular appointment he couldn't make it and my doctor said "Um, what do you mean you don't want to like, don't you, don't you know that you're basically risking your life and your baby's life if you go past 40 weeks? And I was like, obviously very shocked and confused because in all of my learning that I've been doing, I hadn't heard that anywhere. So obviously being really young and not knowing, I was like, okay, well, can I have another week? Can we just schedule it for at least a week out and I'll try all the things that I can think of on my own now so that's what we did and my water ended up breaking 
at 2 a.m. the morning, but I was scheduled to go in at 6 a.m. for an induction. And got there and no contraction started. So I think it was about 9 a.m. by the time I kept saying, I didn't want Pitocin. They kept coming in saying, you're gonna have to start Pitocin. I kept saying, no, no, I don't want any Pitocin. And then at 9 a.m. a nurse came in and said, okay, the doctor says you don't have a choice anymore. I'm starting the Pitocin. So at that point I was crying and all upset and thought that everything was going wrong. But thankfully my body must have been at least somewhat ready because my induction went pretty smoothly. And she was born at 8 p.m. So I went out of that birth just thinking that I didn't want, I definitely didn't want those providers again. And I wanted to have, I wanted to be respected in the next pregnancy. So until I got pregnant with our son, I interviewed midwives and planned and called and learned more. And actually during that second pregnancy, I fired two midwives <laughs> and on the third one, um, because I was like very determined to be respected and I wasn't seeing that with the first two. <laughs> so um, on the third one, <clears throat> I felt like things were going pretty well. And then I got a really bad headache at 34 weeks. So I was like probably 33 and four days when the headache started and a couple days of just this terrible headache that would not go away and was like to the point that I couldn't get out of bed. I had to have help with our daughter my mother-in-law said that I needed to check my blood pressure. So she brought over a blood pressure cuff and sure enough, it was really high. I don't remember the number now, but um, we went into the hospital and they started monitoring and right away they wanted to give me a steroid shot for the baby. And I didn't this wasn't part of all the things that I prepared for the second round. Like I thought I was completely ready for anything they could throw at me. <laughs> and then uh, going into the hospital with him and this headache and everything that happened from that point on were just completely out of left field to me. I didn't actually in two pregnancies up to 34 weeks in the second one, I had never heard of preeclampsia didn't even know what it was, didn't know that I should have been watching for signs of it, knew nothing about it. So didn't know anything about nutrition to prevent it. And when I went in, they told me that the branch that the midwife I was seeing practiced out of wasn't equipped to handle my baby at that gestation. So they transferred me to the main branch of that hospital, which was like two and a half hours from my daughter. So we get there and um, immediately they say, I just need to have a C-section. I said, no, I 
wanted to try anything I could do to not not have a c-section or keep him in longer if I could and they said that absolutely wasn't an option because of what all the numbers were and the point that it had gotten to so they wanted to wait until midnight because at midnight I was officially 34 weeks and that apparently looked better for them for induction <laughs> so they waited until midnight and then started and Obviously, my 34-weeker did not take well to induction. So a few minutes after they had broken my water, <clears throat> he started having some pretty bad D-cells. And they were talking more seriously about cesarean in that hospital they worked in teams so um the first time my husband had left me the whole time I'd been there he went to get some lunch and 15 doctors came in the room and start telling me that we really need to start thinking about a c-section and it's still my choice but it's starting to get to where we can't really keep doing this and then another doctor comes rushing in from the hallway and says I'm losing baby, I'm losing baby. And I started panicking and had to get my husband back because of course all of this pressure and new changes are happening the very first second I was alone. And um, yeah, my husband gets back and he's like, I think the doctor that came in from the hallway actually came in after my husband got back because I'm pretty sure I was just having the news broken to me that I needed to give up and have a c-section at that point and then he came back and then the doctor coming in from the hallway is what convinced us that we weren't going to discuss anymore but anyway I went back for cesarean right away at that point and um, baby ended up being really healthy and they took him to the NICU just because he was so small. He was three, nine, and they took me back to whatever the first room I was in was. I don't even remember what it was called now, but, uh, they wouldn't allow me to see my son for the first 24 hours and my mom stayed with me husband stayed with baby and as I was in that area things weren't well like I couldn't I was losing consciousness and I wasn't getting any fluid out I had a catheter at that point and the nurse couldn't get any fluid out of me and if she would turn me a certain way, I would lose consciousness. So she called the doctor and told him that he, she didn't think I was doing well with the amount of magnesium I was on. And he told her just to keep going with it and um, he would be down later to check on it. Well, she said she wasn't doing that because she was pretty sure it was going to kill me and she shut it off. And she said to my mom, 
if he wanted it on, he'd just have to come down and turn it on himself. So I'm really thankful for that nurse being <laughs> somewhat defiant and doing what she thought she needed to do to keep me safe. But that whole period was scary. And then from that time, I kept asking to see baby after they got me to where I was not holding fluid like that and things were better and none of the nurses would take me to see baby. And then the next day, a morning nurse came in and told me, oh yeah, you could have gone to see your baby. A nurse just has to take you. So I found out that not only was the medication all wrong that I was receiving, but they also could have taken me to see my baby if they just felt like it. So I was feeling very, very <laughs> upset and worried about him and just so many emotions from this perfect birth that I'd been planning after my first not so bad birth just wasn't what I wanted. I had these big plans for the next one and they were just gone. So after that cesarean, we went home from the hospital and life started to somewhat go back to normal, but I had the worst postpartum depression I've experienced for almost a whole year after he was born. It was a really bad time. <laughs> and it led me to plan a pre-birth. So I knew that Probably no provider was going to help me with my history around me. I'm learning now that there may have been some, but I didn't know how to find them. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have wanted to, even if I knew that I could find them. So I just planned free birth and learned everything I could learn and read every book I could read. And I knew that we were safer at home than we were at the hospital again, because the more I learned, the more that I knew everything that happened before could have been prevented. And my providers really let me down in the fact that I knew by my third pregnancy, I knew nothing about nutrition and I knew nothing about preeclampsia going into my second pregnancy. <clears throat> so by the third one, I was just really determined to handle it myself because I learned that nobody else was gonna help me handle it. So um, that pregnancy, I did have some high blood pressure again, but it wasn't as extreme as the second pregnancy. And going up to that, third delivery, there was still a lot of, I guess, fear about what delivery would look like. And being a VBAC, I didn't know. I knew the statistics, but there was still some fear. And I think most VBAC moms will tell you that no matter how many VBACs you have, just something about it, there's that little bit of 
is something bad going to happen I don't know I don't know what that is or why it's there but even now that I I feel like I trust birth more than most people I've met and still when it gets close to delivery it's just that little nagging thing in the back of your head that's oh will my scar tear open or something crazy like that just because that scar isn't part of how we were designed and it was put there by someone who's not perfect and what if it fails <laughs> so <clears throat> that that was definitely really really heavy on my mind going into my third delivery and my first feedback because everything was up to me and my husband my husband was really supportive but for the most part, I was making that choice and whatever happened, I had to live with the consequences of it and I had to come to terms with that before we did it. Or if something bad happened, I wasn't going to be prepared for it. So um, that's kind of the mindset I went into my first free birth with, which I wish I would have been more positive about that, but I just knew that there were so many things I needed to be prepared for. So I just was very practical about the first birth. We had plan B after plan B after plan B. And I had, <clears throat> I had a friend lined up to come feed baby if just I needed to go to the hospital. Most importantly, I wanted to avoid baby going to the hospital unless he absolutely had to. So I had friends lined up to help my husband with him that were nursing so they could nurse him if they needed to. And I just handled everything with that birth like it was, I don't know, something that needed to be checked off of a checklist because that's the only way I could handle the fear I had around it. I didn't know how to work through that yet without just doing. I had to do all the tasks I had in my head to make sure that I knew it was going the best that I could make it go. So yeah, he was born really healthy and he was a little small, which I think had to do with my blood pressure, but um was very fast labor I got into the water at one point because I hadn't got to do that yet and we had a big corner jacuzzi tub and we got tub liners for it because we weren't sure if we could clean it well enough and <laughs> my husband was asleep and I thought I'd just try the water for a minute well the tub liners made the tub so slippery that I could not even get out of the tub. I was like flailing around in there like a fish trying to yell for my husband. So <laughs> that did not go as planned and it was not desirable for me. <laughs> but baby came quickly and he was cried right away, super alert. Everything was great. And placenta took about 45 minutes to deliver, which was longer than we really wanted being our first time handling things all on our own. But it came and the bleeding slowed down and everything was okay. So um, 
after he was born, we just got to rest at home with our other kids. And it was so peaceful. I can't, I can't even imagine ever having a baby anywhere else but the comfort of my home after that because uh, it just wouldn't be the same to have to pack up your baby and go somewhere else after that. I don't think I wouldn't, wouldn't want that again. But um, then this last baby, he's two months old now. We went the free birth route again, and it was, we full-time RV now, so that was a new, <laughs> new twist in the story, but my kids play sports at the rec center, and labor, I'd been having a lot of prodromal labor, and every evening it would just completely go away, and then I'd go to the chiropractor the next morning, and it would start back up. So that day I thought the same thing was gonna happen. Then it was right about the time that the contractions would start to fizzle out. And it was time for my kids to go to basketball. So I told my husband, they just need to go to practice. I don't want them to miss it because this is gonna go away anyway, which is the story of every mom who's ever had prodromal labor, I think. <laughs> Complete denial until baby's coming out. But anyway, I just kept folding laundry and putting, getting stuff ready and they did not go away and they kept getting stronger and stronger. And I got my sister-in-law on the phone because I thought maybe some distractions would slow things down until my husband got home, but it did not. And my contractions went from 15 minutes to nine minutes to five minutes to two minutes in less than an hour. <laughs> so I started calling my husband when they hit five minutes and he didn't answer. <laughs> so he was chasing our toddler around to basketball practice and did not hear his phone ring. So I had my sister-in-law on the phone and she got my brother-in-law's phone and her daughter's phone and started calling my husband on my brother-in-law's phone. And she started calling the rec center on my niece's phone, trying to get a hold of my husband somehow. So finally, um, one of the girls at the front desk ran down and got him and they started heading home. Well, it's 20 minutes away and they made it home nine minutes before he was born. And it was pretty insane, but <laughs> I get in the door and my husband comes right to me. The other kids are out in the living room area and we're in an RV, so it's pretty tight quarters. And I was laboring in the bathroom, which is a pass-through from the living room to the bedroom. And I was kind of kneeled down in front of the toilet at this point, and my one and a half year old swings the door open and whacks me with the door right in the middle of the contraction. And I just said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and my husband chased him out of the room, not because I didn't want him in there, just because 
mid contraction being hit with the door just wasn't working. I was really open to having them with me and in my space, but the whole door hitting me thing just didn't go over well in that moment. And my husband ran out to get them some snacks to keep them kind of occupied. And I reached down and felt and baby was definitely on his way out. And I could feel his head. And at that point, I wasn't having a contraction, but my body just was done. And I didn't, I was having, I was pushing on my own through contractions, like not, not consciously, just fetal ejection reflex. And um, that had passed for just a moment and I could feel baby's head and I was feeling some burning. So I knew I had torn a little bit and I was just really ready to be done and hold baby. So I bared down a little bit and he came, he was right right in my arms and before his feet were even out he started screeching <laughs> so my husband was not even in the room he heard him from the kitchen and he came in because he heard baby crying so I got to catch him all on my own and that was really special and part of part of my planning for this birth was just that I wanted it to be not fearful and really peaceful and um just my ridiculous perfectionist side told me for a few minutes in the beginning of my postpartum period that I didn't have that because my family wasn't there in time and all of that but as I'm reflecting on it longer I know that I needed that um, having three little kids already peaceful and no fear didn't look like my kids around me this time. It looked like me being quiet in my own space. And that, I think that was all meant to be how it worked out. But they made it just in time to see him, but still late enough that I got to labor in quiet and peace. So I'm um, starting to appreciate that more as time goes on and actually my husband had told my kids that I was going to scream and labor and I said now wait a minute I don't want to scream and labor this time I want this to be a peaceful labor and he said okay okay I'm sorry and sure enough because I like to prove people wrong I did not scream at all and I was really proud of that <laughs> I love that um, how fast did your placenta come with the second one? Was it different for you? Did you do anything different? Um, both times I did take some herbs. I forgot to mention that, but I don't know that I needed to either time. I just, that was one thing that my husband and I had discussed beforehand. He was really worried about bleeding and the placenta not coming out. So we just agreed that if nothing was really happening around 20, 30 minutes, I would just take some herbs because I knew it wouldn't hurt it would just help but I did take them again the second time but I think it was out by 30 minutes the second time I wasn't really timing it I wasn't honestly super worried about it but um I, I would say it was like 20 30 minutes ish so 
Okay, cool. And is there anything that you would do differently, like any suggestions that you have for anybody going into free births now that you've had two? Yeah, I just, um, I wish that I trusted the peaceful side of it more the first time. And I, I guess that was still there a little bit the second time, just because I ended up being by myself. So that was an unexpected that I threw in. But I just wish that I knew that I could just relax in birth and just let it be what it's going to be. And I wish I didn't try to prepare so much. And now, honestly, I wasn't ready to let friends in the first time at all because I have friends that are that work in birth and are midwives and doulas and I definitely wasn't ready for that the first time. The first rebirth, I needed that space to myself and I needed to recover from my cesarean and the things that had happened and even even a well-meaning person in my space at that point who suggested things to me would have been too overwhelming because I just needed to be able to do what I needed to do and I couldn't have anyone telling me anything else. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I'm curious about your partner. Like you went from this, you know, your second birth wasn't exactly a walk in the park and then you go to free birth. How was your partner with that? Like, was there any resistance there or what made him feel comfortable? Okay, so actually the resistance was before the second birth. So after my daughter, we have one girl and three boys. And after my daughter was born first, I wanted a home birth really badly. And at that point, he was not ready. He fought me pretty hard on that one at that point but he did agree if we could find a birth center he was okay with that and uh, we lived pretty far from the hospital so that's mostly was his concern but um yeah after the cesarean and seeing how I wanted it to go and how it went and then seeing just how torn to pieces I was after the way that happened um and then like we're pretty close. So everything that I learned, he's like the first person that I tell. So he was learning right along with me. And by the time I was pregnant the third time, he was like, yeah, you're not going back to a hospital (laughs) because somehow even more than preeclampsia was traumatic. um, Everything that they did in and around and after that was even more traumatic. So Um, He was pretty on board by the third one because he knew that's what I wanted the last time. And he knew that even being in the hospital and having a hospital midwife, that didn't serve us well. And he saw that they didn't prepare me for something that could have been avoided. So yeah, by the time it was actually relevant, it was, he was right on board. Awesome. That's really great. And it makes sense that like after that experience, he'd be like, no, we aren't going to do that. Let's try what you want to do. Yeah. Any suggestions that you have for like other 
women who are choosing to it's the, I mean it's also a feedback as well so like yeah to go from that kind of situation to a free birth at home what would you suggest for other women that are going to be in that same spot for you it seemed like you like you said it was a check boxing like you had to do a list yeah I wish that I wish that I had tried to find like a birth keeper or someone who was like-minded with me and I did I put out some feelers when I first found out I was pregnant but it was just going nowhere and honestly I'm working towards that right now because I didn't have that so I just I think there are people willing to support you even in those situations and I think I would have been less afraid and I think I would have been okay having someone in my space if I had found someone who knew that I just needed I just needed someone to hold that space. I didn't need them to do anything for me or tell me what to do. I just needed someone to hold my hold the space and just be there and understand me. And I wish looking back that I had tried a little harder to find that because now I'm seeing that that is in my area too. And I just didn't know where to look or who to ask. So I guess I would say maybe try a little harder to find that because I think by my second free birth, I would have understood that I had healed more because this time I think I would have been okay with someone in my space, but I was still so set on I need this to be, like, I need it to be authentic to me and not not have anyone change it, that I was still afraid to let someone in. But afterwards, I just wished that I had let a couple friends in the second time. And yeah, I think that I've learned that that can be healing too, if you find the right people. So Yeah, that makes sense to me. I also have that same thing where I didn't trust anyone to be in my space. And like, there was no like, okay, person, I was always afraid someone's going to do something or overstep or take away from my experience. But there are there are people in most areas that will just hold space and not, you know, be a provider in your space, just like you said, hold that space and be there. Um, So yeah, I can relate to that myself. Is there anything else you want to add before we would wrap up the podcast? I don't think so. I think that's that's pretty much my whole story. But yeah, I I agree that I was fearful of them taking away from that, like anyone taking away from that experience also. But I feel like now, especially in my second birth, um, I could have rested in just that for one that piece of those first postpartum moments and um just rested in feeling my contractions and letting just letting things happen and not being worried about I'm the one that has to handle xyz if it goes wrong so I if we have another baby I really want to pick some people to let in and yeah feel what that's like to just rest in knowing that 
people are there for me. Okay, that definitely makes sense. Uh, Taylor, is there anything else that you wanted to add or ask? No, that's it. I just wanted to say I really appreciate you coming on and sharing, Kristen. And I know that Kristen is going to have her own podcast coming up soon that she's going to launch. So we will be sure to post that information once we have it, because we would love to support you. And thank you again for coming on and sharing today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Birthkeeper Banter. Make sure to like and subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast listening platform and Facebook so you can be notified for future episodes. Enrollment for our 2023 midwifery cohort is now open. You can find sign-up information as well as all of our other courses at herbal.teachable.com. We love and appreciate you all. Thank you for helping us change the world. One birth story at a time. Thank you.